What is going on? Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Bick Nazar here. Again, Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, keeping you at the top of your game. Now found together online at DLEAMC.com. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net 650. 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. What's going on, man? Back in the saddle? I'm I'm wondering what uh, disgusting medical condition you'll compare me to today. <laughs> after comparing me to toe fungus yesterday. Not very not very hospitable of you. I'll uh, dream something up on the fly. <laughs> yeah, figure it out. Figure it out. Why don't you diagnose on the fly? <laughs> um, lots to get into today. Uh, we will, of course, uh, continue to break down, speculate, try to come up with some solutions, potential solutions uh, to the Canucks cap situation. Although. Uh, pretty difficult to come by right now. But I uh, do want to start with some of the news from the Stanley Cup playoffs. And really, the big takeaway from yesterday, yes, the Leafs survive to force game five. But what everyone's talking about and will be talking about, I think, is uh, Alex Petrangelo and his baffling decision to, to make it just a, a good old two-handed chop on the arms of Leon Dreisaitl in the closing moments of uh, of Edmonton's win over Vegas last night. And... You know, it can get a little frustrating talking about NHL discipline and player safety because it seems like the underlying logic is so hard to figure out. Now, we do know that Petrangelo is going to have a hearing. Typically, if you have a hearing, you're going to get suspended. But the real question is, how long is it going to be and how long should it be? If I had to bet, like, I would be very surprised if it was more than one game. And I'm not saying that's what it should be. In a sane world, that's what, that's what it would be, but... In the NHL's world, it feels like a one-game suspension, for and better or for worse. And that's ludicrous. And I don't mean it as, oh, he shouldn't be suspended, it's playoff hockey. <laughs> Not that kind of ludicrous. <laughs> ludicrous the other way. This is one of the more insane plays you've ever seen. Straight up. Like, this isn't about, oh, sending a message. Like, we, we know collectively as a hockey community, as a sports community, I, I'll even send it beyond hockey, because... Some teams, you know, mm-hmm. like to send messages. Seahawks did at the end of the Patriots Super Bowl, for whatever reason, when they're kneeling down. You send a message. It happens in sports. This is, like, we need a new term that isn't violence. This is madness. This is, I, I'm going to come across the ice, wield my stick like a weapon. Yep. To a player who does not have the puck. And not even like, oh, just got rid of it 0.6 seconds away. The puck is gone. And you are swinging it. It's madness. It, it's if, if, if this wasn't sport, we'd call it assault. Well, and it's also the kind of thing with, you know, in the NHL world, like if you're, if you're a longtime fan of the NHL and you've spent a long time watching the NHL and, you know, following closely what they do with their suspensions, and you hear, oh, Alex Petrangelo is suspended for a game. Your initial reaction will probably be like, yeah, that sounds about right. But if you are if you actually try to step back and look at it from an outsider's perspective, from somebody who maybe is a big fan of another sport but doesn't really follow the NHL, and you were trying to, trying to explain to them why that play is only a one-game suspension, they would look at you like you're out of your mind. They'd be like, yes. are, what are you talking about? I, How can that only be one game? Because there's there's nothing 
intrinsic to hockey about it. Like it's you can't, aside from that fact that he's skating yeah, yeah, and he's skating and has a stick. It. But it, but what I mean is there's no plausible deniability. Like oh, I was trying to line him up for a big hit and my timing was just a little off, or you know I, I accidentally got my elbow up higher than I meant to be. But other than that, it would have been clean. Like there's no world. There's no oh it was so close to being clean except for this. It was just I'm gonna skate over here. And I'm gonna whack this guy on the wrists. I'm frustrated and I'm gonna take it out on this player. And by the way, this isn't some punk player, too. No. Alex Petrangelo is a phenomenal player. Certainly knows better. There is one intent on that play. And it's hurt Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. That's it. It's caused pain. That is not sending a message. That is, let's inflict pain upon Leon Dreisaitl. Like, the big... Do you have any idea how lucky Alex Petrangelo is? That Drysdale did not oh, get yeah. hurt. Oh yeah, and well, this and is also a league, by the way, that's now that he, trying to that he didn't accidentally catch him in the head or anything like anything. Any it could have gone so much worse than it did. As soon as you decide crossing the blue line, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to get there in time. He's going to shoot at the empty net. I'm 15, 20 feet away. I'm going to swing my stick back. As soon as you decide that, the outcome is out of your hands because you could miss. Drysdale could cut in. Any number of things can happen from when you cross the blue line. You're like, hey, I'm going to swing my stick. This merits, forget even just like, oh, one more game than Nurse. If Nurse gets suspended, Petrangers get two. It merits, to me, like double digits, even in the playoffs. This is ridiculous. And again, it's not some punk player. This is the playoffs. Like he should know a lot better. Yeah. You invite getting suspended when you decide to make a play like that. And oh, I was just trying to hit the stick. You missed. You missed. No, and this wasn't like a an attempted defensive play on the stick gone wrong. This was not inadvertent. <laughs> I just missed and I happened to clip the visor. No. You no. decided you wanted to take a hack at a player. And not a subtle flick. I'm gonna I joked with you earlier, this is like Clegane Bowl stuff. I'm wielding a sword, and I'm... Got a Claymore up here. Come to bring arms. Down. Yeah. Except the other guy wasn't prepared for it. He is extremely fortunate that looks like Leon Dreisaitl will be okay. But this is a league that after last year, with Connor McDavid, his teammate, is trying to protect its stars. Anything less than five, and I'm trying to be lenient on the NHL curve here, mm-hmm. anything less than five is ridiculous. And even that, I'm kind of catering it well, to the NHL. And the thing is, the NHL, they've created situations like this for themselves, right? Or they've, at the very least, they haven't done enough to eliminate situations like this by themselves. Because, as you said, Alex Petrangelo, Stanley Cup winner, captain in this league, like high high draft pedigree, very, very smart player, has been through the playoffs a lot before. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he also knows that the punishment's probably not going to be that severe, right? Like, that he has a good chance of getting away with it to some extent, whether it's only getting out for a game, something like that, right? Like, he knows because of the precedent the NHL has set that there's no chance he's going to be suspended for 10 games, right? There's no chance he's going to be suspended for a really long time. And the NHL, by refusing to appropriately discipline plays like this, and again, this is not about, like, eliminating hitting or eliminating physicality I'm in the playoffs. violence That's great. Physical yeah. play is awesome. But this is just this has nothing to do with the sport. It has nothing to do with hockey. All it is is risking injuring one of the most exciting, dynamic players in the game for no reason. Because the other player is frustrated. Like, we talk about toughness in the playoffs. 
how about having the mental toughness to keep your frustrations in check rather than swinging your sword at a player, your sword, your stick at a player on the other team? Like, that's not toughness. I love toughness. Petrangelo was not being tough. He was acting out. He was he being was petulant. That's a coward move yesterday. He was throwing a temper tantrum, right? Like, that's not toughness. That's not the toughness that people want to watch. But the NHL, have, for whatever reason, has been unwilling to really do what it takes to take those types of plays out of the game. And so now they have to deal with situations like this. And we'll see what they do, right? There's also the the Darnell Nurse uh, instigator penalty that becomes an automatic one-game suspension because it's in the last five minutes. I would like. I, I know a lot of people have said, oh, I think they'll... Um, I think they'll rescind that. I wouldn't be surprised if they leave it though. And, and and if that's their version of being fair, right? Like, hey, look at look how fair we're being. We're we're taking both guys out of the series for a game. Which I think is ridiculous when you compare the two acts. There's no comparison whatsoever between them, but that's how the NHL wants. Like, how often do they take, you know, two guys out of a scrum and give them both game misconducts mm-hmm. and that's their version of, you know, managing the game. Mhm. The guys might have been doing something completely different, but it's like, hey, we took both of them out of the game. We're managing it. I expect we're going to see something similar to that from player safety today. Just a joke. Should Darnell Nurse check his emotions in that moment, too? Like, again, this isn't a hockey play where you've got to, like, rally to your teammate. This is a guy trying to injure your your star player. And, like, I understand Darnell Nurse's emotions. I get instigated and all that. You, You call it what it is, and try to manage the game in the moment and there's laws to it. And you're like, Hey, this is going to get reviewed and all this sort of stuff. But Darnell nurse was reacting to not a hockey play. Yeah, that's it. And you look for all the people texting in and be like, Hey, the Mason Raymond play back in the Stanley cup finals. Okay. That's a hockey play gone wrong. They tangle, push into the board. I don't like the play obviously, mm-hmm. but that's like, you can justify in saying, Hey, this is comes with the territory of being physical, all this sort of stuff. Some good text coming in about Aaron Rome, right? Like that's a hockey play. Just, just remove the emotion from it of Canucks Bruins and yeah, all but, that. But like, that's a hockey play. That's a hockey play gone wrong. Like yeah. I missed time my head. And I, I don't think it's a missed time, but nevertheless it's yeah. Okay. Like you can understand steps to, you're saying we don't want to re- relitigate yeah, the Aaron I, Rome thing today? That's not what we're doing today? Do I'm but, always here for it. But look how many games that got. Yeah. there's This has nothing to do with hockey. So this has to go above and beyond all these claims of like, oh, this moment and this moment. Because a lot of those plays look like hockey plays. This is – if, if we just look at high sticking, okay? High sticking is a four-minute penalty. Mm-hmm. So if you give Alex Petrangelo – a well, penalty. It, in certain situations, if you draw blood. Yeah. Right, yeah. If, if you draw blood. It's four minutes. So, yeah. so a player is missing up to four minutes. If Petrangelo gets a one-game suspension, we're saying something inadvertent is four minutes, but sheer acts of violence. Yeah. Intentional, intent, no intent, explanation, no yeah. possible excuse. Yeah. Is at most 60 minutes. Yeah. And one game. You know, they are in Rome comparison. I mean, obviously, that's the first thing a lot of us – that's the first place a lot of us are going to go because it has that emotional resonance for us. And uh, Troy in Cloverdale says, if Aaron Rome got the rest of the series, this is 15 games. He'll be lucky if he gets two. Absolutely vicious. Uh, the league is a joke. And a, a, another big problem I have with the NHL discipline is that so much of it is based on whether the player on the receiving end is injured and how injured mm-hmm. they are. And I can understand that in a certain sense, but it's also like – you're also just leaving it up to luck. Sure. Now, most times when we're talking about hockey plays, we're doing some guesswork on intent, yeah. right? And so I I generally want to penalize intent, yes. But when it comes to hockey plays gone wrong, 
again, we can, you can make the legal defense of like, oh, I'm trying to do this, and it just, it went wrong. And you go, okay, I can understand. Let's factor in the medical component of this and bring it into um, the, the overall yeah. conclusion, the overall ruling. There's no guesswork required in this. We know what his intent is. That's not hockey. And, and again, it's, if you're lucky, okay, like, you, you make that play. It easily, Dreisaitl could have been injured, right? It's not through any, you know, like, prudence on Petrangelo's part, or he pulled up and no. prevented Dreisaitl from getting injured. So you're basically just saying, well, you got lucky, and we're not, gonna, we're not going to uh, suspend you. But You're the ne- rewarding but, the luck that is out of his control. Exactly. It's completely out of his control. A similar act the next time from Petrangelo or somebody else could easily injure the player. So I get the, hey, if a player's out for a long time, that makes it more serious, and we have to reflect that in the discipline. But when players get lucky and they don't get injured, you're kind of letting the offending player off the hook then as a result for something that easily, easily could have resulted in serious injury. And this one. Okay, what about Kane's cross-check to Petrangelo the game before? Okay, he's charging at Petrangelo, who has the puck. Again, it's a bad play. It's stupid. But... He has the puck. It's You can justify it. You can make a claim. Oh, well, I'm just trying to make a play on the puck and all that sort of stuff. This has nothing to do with that. This is sheer, I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. And It's I'm ticked off because we're losing, and, and you tried to score on the empty net, and I'm going to take my frustrations out on you. We'll talk to Brad May later, and I get, I get into these conversations all the time with Brad, because who's got a great perspective on it, because players accept violence, mm-hmm. right? There's a, there's a, like, this is their career. And I want to see the the physicality. I want to see violence. And these players get paid handsomely to put their bodies on the line. In the realm of playing hockey, mm-hmm. they're willing to absorb a ton of abuse for our entertainment for the sake of the game. That's not the game. And when it when you paint outside the colors, outside the lines, you deserve to be severely punished for it. And anything, again, I'm trying to be kind here and say five games because, look, we, we know what hockey is and all that sort of stuff. We know that this sort of thing happens. If he gets less than five, he should count his blessings. But realistically, it should be significantly more. This is cheap shot. This is a coward move. And it's now something that's going to be on the mark of Alex Petrangelo, who's been a phenomenal player. Yeah. A great, for me, a, a, a constant model for the game. Mm-hmm. But... This is not that. Be better. And you weren't, so get penalized for it. And it's also, man, the league, Petrangelo's lucky Dreisaitl's wasn't injured. The league is lucky Dreisaitl wasn't injured. Like, with the playoffs he's having, what a black mark it would be if he was out for any length of time as a result of something like this. And again, it's not about, you know, coddling the stars or protecting them. They, they're they going to have to play that physical tough game in the playoffs, right? We've seen what the Oilers have been doing to Mark Stone's back and the battles in front of the net. We get that. But there has to be a line there has to be a yeah. line that if it's completely extraneous to the play, you can't just go. And in this case, it's Dreisaitl. You shouldn't be able to do it to any player, right? But, like, for a league that is trying to grow the game, you need to make sure your best players are going to be on the ice and able to do what they do best, right? And, again, injuries happen. Hard hits happen. That's fine. Hard, clean hits happen. Whatever. But you can't risk losing someone like Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid or whoever – to a play like this. It's just ridiculous for a league. Let's say it's one more game than Nurse, okay? That's how I'm going to frame it. Could be two games, Nurse gets one, all that sort of stuff. What's stopping anyone from going after Connor McDavid next game? Yeah. And and not even a star player. What, what, what's stopping Braden McNabb, your boy Amadio, <laughs> going after Connor McDavid? 
okay, if, if I can do these things and it's only going to cost me a game? Yeah, a couple games. The, the whole point of the league, uh, the Department of Player Safety, is to act as a deterrent. It's so especially do your job. because, like, so let's say somebody goes after Connor McDavid and McDavid's injured and, like, legit can't play, right? Okay, so that player's going to be suspended for a long time, right? If McDavid's actually out of the game. But we all know players play through a lot of things, right? So let's mm-hmm. say you take a run at McDavid like this and you hurt him, but not enough to keep him out of the game. You might escape suspension, but you might now be playing against Connor McDavid at, like, 75% instead of 100%. You know what I mean? Like, that's Dry a Seidel, huge incentive. Yeah, Dreisaitl is... I imagine playing through something now. He still might be able to play, which is fantastic. He's going to want to see 29 out in the ice. Mm-hmm. But is he up to full speed now? Have you, you know, swayed it in your favor? Is, is he going to be at, at good health the rest of the way? And again, it's not a hockey play. And by the way, we just have breaking news that uh, Darnell Nurse's suspension has not been rescinded. He has been suspended for one game uh, for instigating a fight during the final five minutes. So Darnell Nurse... Out for Game Five. Uh, we'll see what happens if Alex Petrangelo will bring you that news. And the other, the other point I wanted to make, and this text comes in. Uh, this is also a league that puts its whistles away in the postseason. The league has made this situation happen, and they love it. It's ratings and attention, and I think that gets at something that I thought for a long time, which is that, especially when it comes to trying to market the game in the United States, the NHL. I don't think they have full faith in the actual product of hockey, I think deep down they believe that they need the spectacle or at least the threat or the possibility of a game kind of turning into a circus. They see that as a positive to sell the game in the States because we all know what happens in in situations like this, right? The follow-up game, like let's say Petrangelo misses game five. When he's back for game six in Edmonton, there is going to be so much hype around that game and so much curiosity about what happens. Do the Oilers go after them? Are there going to be fights? Are there going to be line brawls? And the NHL likes that. Like, at some level, they enjoy those situations because it brings spectators in and it helps sell the game. The violence, the threat of violence, the possibility of something ridiculous happen happening helps sell the game, especially in the U.S., where it's harder to sell the game on its own merits. And... That's really frustrating for me because you have so much talent and you have a game that when it's being played at its highest level in the playoffs, right, and it's physical and it's intense and there's so much passion and so much speed, you don't need that threat of spectacle. And again, we're not talking about like hard hits and and physical play. We're talking about something that goes beyond that. You don't need that to sell the game. You shouldn't need it to sell the game. It's a fantastic product. But I think the NHL is scared of kind of taking that card away from themselves when they're trying to get fans interested. And it's just, they're playing with fire because you never know when one of these incidents is going to go too far. And then all of a sudden you've got a serious injury. And then all of a sudden you've got, you've gone from something that helps you market the league to something that's getting you attention for all the wrong reasons. And again, for, for all the things that you mentioned there, like the, the lion brawls and all that sort of stuff. Again, fighting's part of the game. It is part of the game. Mm-hmm. It's part of the rules of the game. So I think the league wants that. I don't think the league wants this. The, the closest incident I can no, think of. No, but see, I think they they want this because it leads to incite, to, to incite the the kind of games where everything boils over and it goes off the rails. Like, I think they're, they're, that's, sure. that's why they don't take. That's one of the okay, reasons do they th- don't take more steps to get, take this stuff out of the game. Do you think, okay, let's say they give him a severe suspension, okay? And it's five games, mm-hmm. seven games, ten games, whatever sure, it is. Whatever. He's out for the rest of the series. 
Do you think the next game, emotions will boil down? Or you can't there, boil down. Well, no, uh, because it's still, it's still playoff hockey, so there'll still be a ton of emotion. But but well, it won't. There won't be the sideshow of oh, it's a scrum, and here's uh, you know, here's Petrangelo and whoever Darnell Nurse in the scrum together, like. You won't have that element of seeing, are they going to go after Petrangelo in this game? Right, but now are the Oilers going to go after the Golden Knights? Because if they go after the Golden Knights, suddenly you get that element of... I don't know if they would, though, as much. If Petrangelo is out of the series? Sure. And I, and that's what I mean. Like I think the NHL wants the, to preserve that that possibility, that friction. So there's two comparables here. And the one that I think the, that I look at recently is last year, Kadri mm-hmm. and Bennington. Yeah. How the Blues got completely distracted. And went after Kadri and the Avs, and that influences the series. But just talking about the suspension again, the only other incident of recent memory I can think of, remember Miles Garrett taking the helmet and swinging it? Yep. He was suspended for the rest of the season. Yep. Indefinite. Had to work to get reinstated. That's, again, that's a physical sport. Yeah. They want they want big hits. They want big plays. Not a football play. Yeah. So you were gone for less season. Because, Done. Because the NFL is serious about if you do anything that's like beyond the limits of that sport, you are gone. Because they have confidence. They know people love the NFL. They don't need the extraneous stuff to sell it. The NHL is scared to rest on their product. They think they need the extra stuff to give it a little bit of juice. That's my theory anyways. And I just... It's really frustrating because, as I said, one, you're playing with fire as a league, and two, like the sport's awesome. Playoff hockey's amazing. Mm-hmm. A great, clean, physical game of playoff hockey. You don't need the threat of a circus breaking out to sell that. You shouldn't need the threat of a circus breaking out to sell that one. Uh, tons of texts coming in here, 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text line. We will read some of them uh, throughout the course of the show. We uh, we do have lots of Canuck stuff to get to as well. But up next. Can I read uh, this one really quickly? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I don't see anything wrong with the slash. Signed, Bobby Clark. <laughs> Tremendous. Bobby Clark in 1972. Yeah. It's like, yeah, great. Good hockey play. Good solid <laughs> hockey play. Uh, good text. Um, we will talk to uh, Pete Blackburn of Bally Sports about this and a whole lot more coming up next. Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Bick Nazar, regular host of the People Show, filling in here. Another edition of People's Canucks Talk on Sportsnet 650 here. Uh, live from the Kindex Studio, 650. 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Lots of texts coming in about the uh, Petrangelo, Leon Dreisaitl, Darnell Nurse situation. We will continue to dive into it next with our guest, Pete Blackburn, who covers hockey for Bally Sports. Pete, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, We're doing well. We're uh, just getting fired up about the NHL and their approach or lack of approach to player safety and discipline. So we'll get into all angles from uh, last night with Petrangelo and the Oilers. But first, kind of the breaking news that Darnell Nurse will be suspended, won't have his uh, automatic uh, suspension rescinded as a result of getting that instigator. Are you surprised? What's your reaction? And does this tell us anything about what's coming down for Petrangelo as well? Uh, I mean, I guess I'm not shocked considering it's just like, you know, it's in the written rules that uh, it's an automatic one gamer. I did think there was a a chance that they would rescind it. And, 
you know, if I had any say, I think that I would lean that way towards rescinding it just because it got to that point because the officiating was so bad and the game management was so bad, not only last night, but over the last couple of games where they've just let things kind of get out of control. And, and you have the, the two-handed slash from Petrangelo and, you know, obviously the, the nurse thing seemed like a direct re- response to that. And I don't know, I, I just, it, it didn't look like uh, Nick Haig was unwilling to go. So it, it seemed a, kind of a little unnecessary to, to uphold the one game, but I guess it is what it is with the, with the letter of the law. So now the focus uh, shifts to Alex Petrangelo. Uh, I've been uh, ranting and raving for the first part of the show here that this is a bonkers play that has nothing to do with hockey. And bare minimum, and I'm grading it on the NHL curve, but bare minimum, this should be five playoff games. Where do you come out? I think five is is, is a lot, and I, I would be shocked if they gave him five games. I would say, especially... Right, but not what you think is going to happen, but like what, what should happen? I mean, if you're going to give Darnell Nurse a game for instigating, Petrangelo should be at least three. Like, it's just kind of... When you look at those two, those two incidents, and you're going to great on that scale like Petrangelo should be three that was not a hockey play it was clear intent to injure put put the stick two hands above his head came down on the wrist of the best player not only on that team this playoffs but in the entire league this playoffs like if you are if you are prioritizing protecting players and protecting your star players you can't let a guy axe murderer chop a guy in the wrist at the end of a game because he's frustrated it's the puck was 30 feet away it was completely unnecessary you have to suspend for that and i think that if you're going to look at the one game that should be three games at minimum why do you think the and we'll see look we'll see what they do with alex retrangelo maybe they'll surprise us maybe they'll give him at least three games or something that really you know balances out the one game for darnell nurse but why does there seem to be such reluctance from the nhl to you know as you just described it like this has nothing to do with hockey. This isn't a you know a hit that just was timed a little wrong, or you know a guy's elbow kind of inadvertently got up. This is this is just a completely outside of the flow of a the game play. Why is there such an unwillingness to really bring the hammer down in these situations? I mean, I think in the sense in the case of like the playoffs, they don't want to have a, a real significant impact on the outcome of a series, and I think. That, you know, if you if you suspend Alex Petrangelo for three games, that series and that could have a significant impact given his role on that team. But at the same time, he's directly responsible for his own actions and the mm-hmm. consequences of them. And I think that you can give uh, a little bit of leeway and a little bit of leash and some gray area to plays that happen. Uh, you know, in the heat of a game, like a, a, a hit. Like I hate the discourse that comes after like a borderline hit and everybody's slowing it down frame by frame and looking at where the, the, the principal point of contact is and arguing over that. There's none of that that applies to this situation because it was clearly premeditated away from a play, not a hockey play. And the only possible explanation for it is that Petrangelo was pissed off and he wanted to take out some frustration on the best player on the Oilers so far. So like that's, there's that's cut and dry not okay you shouldn't be able to do that i'm interested in your thought uh, we were talking about this earlier like let's say they give him a severe suspension do you think the oilers respond even with him not in the picture 
Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't think so. Like you let the suspension take care of it and then you just go try to win the series. I, I think that, you know, where you might see some stuff pop up in terms of retribution is at the end of games again, where if a game is already put, put away and that seems to be the trend in the second round, right? Like all these games have been blowouts. So if that continues, I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of nastiness come out uh, between these two teams at the end of games. But given the fact that the series is tied, I think both teams should probably let the league handle it and try to move on in a way that doesn't uh, result in them shooting themselves in the foot. So looking strictly at the hockey side of things in this series, it's tied 2-2 now. We haven't really seen a close game, though, yet in the series. What, what's your feeling for how this one is going to go? Who do you think has the upper hand right now? Well, I mean, beyond just like the the ridiculous stuff that happened last night, I just thought the Vegas was way too undisciplined. Like they just you can't keep putting Edmonton on the power play. And uh, I think from the larger sample size of this series, Edmonton has looked like the better team, and they're one of those teams that just they haven't lost back to back games since February. So their their lineup seems to be stabilized. They seem to be a team that bounces back pretty well. So in the in in a best of three. I'm going to lean Oilers, especially given the fact that they have uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. And when you need a, a game breaker, one of those two guys is going to come through. Despite all the talking points from today, it's not as if we've seen another good game. Um, it was another blowout. And not just for this series, it's kind of become an emerging trend through round two. A lot of three goal plus victories. Uh, you know, What do you make of this round so far? It's been a snoozer. I'm going to be honest with you, and and it's it is kind of funny that the uh, you know the you know the the series that has been the most competitive and closest in terms of gameplay is the one that's the most lopsided with the Panthers and Leafs in terms of the series results. Like those have been the most competitive games, but uh, across the board, you see blowouts kind of being traded in the other series, and it, it's surprising because when you know it. Looking back on, on playoffs past, the second round seems to be the best quality of, of competition, and we're not seeing that at all. The first round was great. The second round's kind of been a little bit of a snoozer and a little bit disappointing. So hopefully whoever makes it through to the conference final will, will be able to make up for that. Uh, speaking of, uh, of the Leafs and the Panthers, so Panthers – don't complete the sweep uh, yesterday. Paul Maurice did not seem particularly worried whatsoever at the podium after the game. Should the Panthers be concerned at all? Or, you know, hey, they're still up 3-1. They're going to get this done. Yeah, I, I think that they're – I wouldn't panic right now. I, I think that they're up 3-1. They give. They gave themselves this, uh, this leash and this runway. And, you know, they definitely didn't play their best game last night. And I thought that, that Toronto was really good defensively and, and their stars started to show up. They – uh, they sort of simplified their game. Their game, you know, didn't try to get too fancy through the neutral zone. Uh, you know, but when I look at it, I, I don't know how confident I am in the Leafs being able to sustain that for the next three games. You kind of have to play uh, uh, three perfect games against a Panthers team that has been hungry for the first series and a half. Like they've looked like the hungriest team in the playoffs, and um, I think that you know testing. Joseph Wall a little bit more might lead to better results. I don't think that they generated too much outside of the third period last night. So that was a bit disappointing. I would expect the Panthers to bounce back and, and wrap this up in the next couple of games. You know, 
we always talk about getting goalied in the playoffs, and, and sometimes it can be an unheralded person that comes out of nowhere, you know, like a, a Michael Layton or something like that, Halak. And we, we've seen performances. But I, I think, like, this Bobrovsky run, truly stunning, just because we felt like we had enough backlog of information of what Sergei Bobrovsky is. And, yes, there's been a, a peak, obviously, but we haven't seen the peak in so, in, in so long. Like, how, how surprising does this register to you of what Bobrovsky's doing? Um, it's, it's like both surprising and not surprising, right? Because I, Bobrovsky is, is arguably like the biggest, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in terms of goaltenders in the entire NHL. And, and that switch seems to be flipped both for better and for worse. And I think we saw it like three, three or four years ago when he was with Columbus, where they were making a run. And then all of a sudden in the, in the second round, he kind of just lost it, and he looked like a shell of, of you know, the game changer that he was in the first round and a half. And, you know, that's just kind of how it goes with him, and I don't know if it's, a, you know, if it's like a physical thing or if it's a mental thing, but, uh, you know, he's been really good for the Panthers to this point, but I also wouldn't be shocked if we were talking in a, in a week from now saying, man, what happened to that guy? He had it and just fell apart. That's just kind of who he is. Talking to Pete Blackburn of Bally Sports here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. The other uh, surprise second-round team, really, the Seattle Kraken, pulled off the big upset against the Avalanche, uh, tied 2-2 in their series with Dallas, and that's another one that they've kind of traded big uh, big wins in that series so far. What do you think the Kraken need to do uh, to find a way to pull off another upset against the Stars? I mean, they just, they got to be like junkyard dogs. And I think that's kind of been their MO for, for most of the season. It's, you know, they don't have that high end talent, but they have four lines. They four check really well and they play good team defense. And, uh, you know, I think they've got a, a decent shot, especially if they're, if they're getting the saves from Philip Grubauer. Like, that's the one thing that's pre- prevented them from being a team that a lot of people take seriously is they, they've just never had the goaltending. And then as soon as the playoffs start, Phil Grubauer looks really good. And they look like a really good team as a result because that's the kind of the final piece for them. Um, you know, do I have confidence that Phil Grubauer can, uh, can outplay Jake Ottinger over a three-game stretch? I wouldn't put my money on that. And I think that Dallas is one of those teams that's, you know, kind of built for playoff hockey. They have that identity. So they were my pick to come out of the West. And I'm going to stick with that. But I've been really impressed by Seattle and, the turnaround from year to year uh, has been pretty pretty admirable and, and pretty impressive. Hey, Pete, just before we let you go, some front office news in Philly today, officially naming Danny Briere the GM and hiring Keith Jones as the president of hockey operations and kind of with John Tortorello, the coach, rounding out uh, the new power structure there in Philadelphia. You know, I mean, a lot of people kind of dunking on it because it's a guy who doesn't have much experience at Keith Jones, another former flyer, former flyer and Danny Briere. What's your impression of how the Flyers have reorganized their front office? Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to dunk on it and say that, you know, this sucks before <laughs> you give the guy a chance. But, you know, I could see why people would be frustrated and I could see why people would, would immediately jump to the jokes because, you know, the Philly thing is, is like we don't go outside of the family. And given the way that it's worked out recently, hey, maybe maybe widen your options a little bit and uh, and maybe take the best guy for the job that doesn't necessarily have organizational ties. So I'll, I'm willing to give him the shot, but I, I think that the leash is going to be pretty short in terms of um, you know criticism and, and things like that, just because they're kind of doing the whole 
old new boss, same as the old boss kind of deal where they're only looking inside the family. And at some point you got to switch it up if it's not working. Pete, appreciate the time. Uh, we'll let you go and uh, enjoy the, the rest of the second round. Same with you guys. Thanks for having me. That is Pete Blackburn covering the NHL for Bally Sports. And uh, yeah, as as he was saying, Philly, just staying doing Philly things. So, hey, former player who's yeah. also been calling games for us and we know him. Yeah. Hey, president of hockey operations. Now, as he said, he could do a great job. Yeah. Like the actions are ultimately going to dictate 100%. The, the, the meaning of the hire. And if they choose to do this long rebuild process, which that's kind of been the messaging well, so far. It's really interesting because, you know, typically we think of when you think of president of hockey operations and then a GM, the president is higher ranking, has authority over the GM. But the what it sounds like it's going to be in Philly is a little different, right? And I know Elliot Friedman was on with Jeff Merrick today saying, you know, there were candidates for the president job in Philly who kind of said, my expectation is that I'll have, if not final authority on player personnel, like a, a serious degree of, of input. And the response from the Flyers was, no, you're not. Danny Breer is going to do that. That's not the job that that's we not, built. That's not the, this president yes. job. So I think that's an important caveat. Now, and Keith Jones, obviously, as a broadcaster, like he should be a good communicator, knows the community, knows ownership. So there are some things that make him a fit for the role. But then my question becomes like, okay, so you've got Keith Jones, you have Danny Briere as the GM who first time GM apparently has all of the decision-making power, but then why is it also this kind of three-way thing with John Tortorella and Keith Jones? Like if Danny Briere is the one making all the decisions, what are John Tortorella and Keith Jones doing in a front office role? Like what, what is their role actually going to be if they don't, have that influence and have that input. That would be my big question if I was a Flyers fan. And look, if, if they're all on the same page and the power dynamics make sense for everyone and Danny Breer is the guy uh, with his finger on the button, okay, great. But yeah, there's going to be this constant, Yeah, hey, they're filling it again, right? Like, it's, I don't think you want to be the president of hockey operations for a team and watch your GM, like, make a bunch of moves you disagree with. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. if, like... That's just hard for me to kind of figure. I, I get it in theory. Hey, he's the guy making the decisions. You're talking to people. You're out there at charity events. I understand that. But job titles are just job titles. If right? Danny like, Briere yeah. keeps acquiring guys that Keith Jones doesn't like, I mean, eventually that's got to be a problem. <laughs> Something's got to give there. You would have to think. And, you know, as Pete was saying, the Keith Jones hire in particular just seems so much like Philly doing Philly things, mm -hmm. which is also interesting because, as you said, the messaging from Briere has been more – we're going to do a long-term rebuild, which is not a Philly thing at all. So I do, I, I'm I'm curious to see how this goes. Like, are they actually going to be able to stick to the long-term rebuild when they're also making decisions like the Keith Jones hire on the other hand? I don't know. Does it strike you as a, a move similar to what we've seen here? No, not really, because Jim, like Jim Rutherford makes a no, ton no. of sense. Go further back. Trevor Linden. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good Kind of comparable. Now, again, actions are going to dictate what it looks like because maybe word came from above at Comcast and they're like, you know what? Playoffs are kind of cool. We're watching what's going down. We want to be in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you bring in a person and says, hey, make make it work somehow. Yeah. And you're like, well, we got Kevin Hayes. We got Scott Lawton. We got maybe Sean Couturier. Can you make it work? Uh, I guess. We'll try. We'll try. It does seem tailor-made to set up like the classic. We're going to try to do both. We're going to try to retool on the fly, right? Like, you know what I mean? We're going to try to serve two goals 
and it's going to be really difficult to do either one of them well. And and this is the point I made here in Vancouver in 2023 is like you can't use 2015. You, you mean this year? No, I'm I'm saying it's like you can't use 2015 logic in 2023, sure. right? Like, sh- should the Canucks have rebuilt in 2015? Absolutely. Should they have done it in 2017? Absolutely. But the dynamics are different now in 2023 that you do have Pedersen, you do have Hughes, mm-hmm. you do have Demko, right? So it's if you were to just become a Canucks fan today, you would understand retooling on the fly because you can say, hey, look, you have these you have these pieces. Philly has none of that. They have none of that. They they are where the Canucks are in yeah. 2015. So for them, it is a bananas operation to decide, hey, let's retool on the fly. You've got nothing. It's just, you know, the, the comparison you made with Trevor Lynn is actually a really good one, right? Because what happened there is the president and the GM ended up having different visions for where things should go. Now, that was a few years down the Not road. Not initially, yes. Not initially, a few years down but the road. what were you just saying? And one of them is out. And it just it's really hard for me to believe that Keith Jones is going to be like, yeah, we are tanking for five years. And and John Tortorella! You think John Tortorella is on board with that? And he Frank Saravalli was on the morning show saying... John Tortorella is the second most powerful head coach in the NHL right now because of the influence he has on roster decisions in Philly. So, like, Danny Briere is going to come down and tear it down and be bad for a few years? That's tough. That's going to be a tough sell in Philly. So, what happens today could be different from what happens in two years from now, right? Yeah. And, like, that's the bit that's interesting is the power dynamics might be Briere, Torts, Jones. But who's got the owners here? And well, that's it. And ultimately, when it comes down to the person making the decisions, who's got that person's ear? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it. Well, here's the. It, that's interesting though, because all the reporting is they love Danny Breer. Yeah, like, they love him, and that's why they're saying to and potential candidates, "Hey, sorry, you're not getting a, you're not getting authority because Danny Breer is going to have it." And by the way, he's done the job correctly. Like worked his way through mm-hmm. it. Du- like done it the Eisman way. Like this isn't Dan Breer coming out of nowhere nope. to be the, the main guy. He's, like, he's worked his way up yes. through the through the ranks. So they are and he's a former flyer, which they love. Like it's not as if he's coming in with no influence and leader on ownership. He has a ton. I just think it's also pretty clear that a big reason Keith Jones got the job is because he has yes. a ton of influence yes. on ownership, right? So But at some point, after multiple years of losing, you know what's gonna happen? Don't Comcast and whoever's got Keith Jones' ear is gonna go Hey, so like, how far away are we? Yeah, and look, that can be in twenty twenty five, it can be in twenty twenty six, but at some point, that conversation is going to happen. Like, there's a reason why you got the gig, and it's going to go. Are we close? I was like, well, you know, I, th- I would have done this, and I would have done that, and maybe we can be here in a year. And suddenly, it's gonna be like, well, are these the guys that can do it? Like, that's how it goes. I just think there's gonna. I feel like there's gonna be a lot of conversations between Briere and Keith Jones that are along the lines of, you know. You know, Danny, like I, I, I know you want to trade Travis Konechny, and I, I understand that, but you know, ownership, he's he's really he's a face of the franchise kind of guy. He's really important in the community. And we just maybe consider, you know, we need to stay competitive, right? Nate, we're not saying you can't rebuild, but you also have to be making sure you're taking care of all these things. And hey, it's your call. You have final authority, but I'm talking ownership and they have some concerns about it. Like I think okay. there's gonna be a lot of those types of conversations happening in Philly. So here's a, a conversation that we can link these two teams right now. Yeah. For for where they are right now. Konechny's 26 years old, five and change, productive, like had his best season. I, I don't know if people really believe that it's it's going to be him all the time. Is he more of mm-hmm. a 50-point guy? Is he more of a 60-point guy? I really like the player, but you know, the, 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 I, I can understand that there's some skepticism that he's a 30-goal scorer regularly now. 
is Travis Konechny part of the winger market that we talk about in this market here? Absolutely, he could be. He could be, but yeah. will he be? Because if he is, suddenly Besser and Garland don't look as attractive on the open market. Well, that I think that's a huge part of the conversation we have is that you know, you talk about this all the time, right? Like the trade market does not exist revolving around the Canucks. It all the trade look, <laughs> you we know got some I mean? trade offers yesterday when we were talking about the Canucks. Yeah. And there were some offers that lived in a different reality than we exist in. And again, like when you send us trade offers, we love them because yeah. it's, it's great banter, it's great conversation. But we only read the ones that have some legitimacy to them. Of hey, like there's some push pull, there's some conflict, there's a chance both like both sides will say yes. When you when you send us trade offers, think of will the other side say yes? Because the infrastructure of the trade market is not built around your fandom. No, but that's the thing, right? Is like it's not it's not as if because even the and I I understand Sat's point about like hey the free agent market is not that strong, but. Connor Garland and Brock Besser aren't going to be the only wingers who are on the yes. market, who are on the trade market, yeah. right? And as you said, Travis Konechny could be there. Like even last year, look, Max Pacioretty on a one-year deal was out there for the Hurricanes to have. Oliver Bjorkstrand was there for the Kraken to get. Like there are going to be players that are more attractive, whether because of their contract or because of their production, their style of play, whatever it is, than Besser and Garland. I think it's a fair question. Like how many are there going to be? Mm-hmm. But that's a huge variable when we start to talk about the likelihood of the Canucks moving these guys. And, and something that you don't have control over, right? That's the other element, too. And, again, it requires more exhaustive look across the league, and motivations can change. Obviously, people are still doing their hirings, and how does something like Toronto, mm-hmm. like if William Nylander's on the market, Mitch Marner on the market. And there's going to be teams that need goals from the wings. Yep. Right. And, and and that's why I would say like which teams are kind of looking in that Besser Garland market. Yeah, like like Nashville needs goal from goals from the wing. Are they a rebuilding team? I don't think so. Probably not a full on rebuilding team. Right. Like like they've got Soros, they've got Yossi, they've yeah. got Forsberg, they just signed those guys. Like you probably have to invest more uh, capital into getting goals for that team. The, so th- the connecting one is fascinating because if you're truly rebuilding, that's like your he's, first he's one, instant. right? It's not even a question. No. Two years at five and a half. Yeah. It's not even a question. So if you are serious about rebuilding, you're doing everything you can. You're retaining money. Like you're doing the full nine yards to move that for value. But if they don't he's a do face that, in the franchise, he's good in the community. That's going to be a huge litmus <laughs> test for what they're actually doing there in Philly. Uh, 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Keep your thoughts coming in. Brad May, former Canuck, joins us. Uh, you Usually on the People Show on Canucks Talk with us today. That's coming up next. Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Bick Nazar here with you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Keeping you at the top of your game. Now found together online at DLEAMC.com. Some breaking news. You trying to show me something? Yeah, you, you can just say it. Oh, okay. it's all right. You don't need to like furtively hand uh, your laptop over to me. You're a host. You're capable well, of getting on air. Wasn't sure if you were going to bring Brad in immediately. Uh, Canucks announcing where training camp is going to be and when. 
Yes. Plan your uh, holidays or your, your vacation dates to go to Victoria, oh. September 21 to 25. That's a long stay in Victoria. Four days? Yeah. Up in Whistler, it was what, like two two days, really? Yeah. May, three most? What do you average on a trip to Victoria? <laughs> I don't know. I got to do, uh, mini- do Miniature World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Then I'm back on the ferry. I, I, I'm more of a one night in Victoria, yeah. two in Whistler kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. That's usually how I would do it uh, as well. Uh, we'll talk more about that later in the show. But now joining us, uh, former Canuck, longtime NHL player, he is Brad May. Brad, thanks for hopping on a little bit earlier. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you guys? We're doing very well. So, uh, big topic in the hockey world, and we're excited to chat with you about it. Alex Petrangelo and the slash towards the end of the game on Leon Dreisaitl. Your reaction to the play and Darnell Nurse getting the instigator, getting suspended. What do you think of the whole thing? Can you t- can you tell me what what has the NHL done? So we heard all they've done so far is announced that Petrangelo is going to have a hearing, but they haven't said if there's a suspension or anything, and they have. They have said Nurse is suspended for Game 5. So Nurse has been suspended. We're waiting to hear what happens to Petrangelo. It's embarrassing that Nurse got suspended, in my opinion. Um, I think that that happening, uh, Petrangelo should be suspended. I got, I, I got a personal attachment to this one, too, guys. Um, I got one of the longest suspensions in NHL history for slashing um, Steve Hines. In, in, in the year 2000, when I left Vancouver, um, the first time after I after the summer I signed with the Phoenix Coyotes, I got a 20-game suspension for slashing. And here's here's the criteria that the NHL looked at at the time, and, and this is 23 years ago though. Um, there's four criteria that they that they look over to determine the length of the suspension and the severity of it. And number one is the time of game. Mine happened in the second period, not at the end of the game. So, therefore, time of the game wasn't an issue, nor was the score in the game because it was tight. It's not a playoff game that's got bigger ramifications. So, I think it's, you know, elevated there. The history of the player, Angelo does not have a history of slashing and, and getting suspended and doing something so egregious. So, I don't think that that maybe helps him. Um the history of the, with the player that you actually slash, um, that was the third part of the criteria. And um, for me, it was I, 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 I slashed Steve Hines. I didn't mean to, um, but I did it. And you have to be responsible for your actions. And I didn't have any ongoing beef. And again, it was in the start early part of a season, but I had no beef with Steve Hines. So that played no factor into the length of the, sus- the suspension. And then it was what was the intent? And for me, if you pulled it up and you watched it on YouTube, anybody listening, it looks terrible. There's no doubt. But it was a brain cramp on my part. I was an idiot. I was back checking. I didn't pay attention. And I, and I panicked. And I lost control of my stick. And I hit Steve Hines in the face. Now, they said that that wasn't even a factor in my suspension because they know they, I didn't intend to injure Steve Hines or do that. That they, they understood it was a mistake. I got 20 games for that, guys. That's 23 years ago. This is a playoff game, huge implications. Angelo is going after the leading goal scorer in, in the Santa Cup playoffs with a big slash overhead coming down, which, by the way, you get a penalty if you just poke, the, poke his gloves, right? Not a suspension, but um, you're not even allowed to touch a player's gloves with your stick um, with interference and, and, and hooking, slashing penalties. 
I think he's got to get a few games, if not the, the rest of this series. Um, I know it's different in the playoffs, but I, I got 20 games, and and if they don't come down with this hard, a, a hearing's definitely something that has to happen. I'm sure he's going to get suspended, but he's got to get more games than Darnell Nurse. It's um, it's ridiculous to me. You and I, uh, Brad, talk all the time about you know the, the the violence in the game, right? And and we both embrace it. We want to see the physicality because it's a huge component of the game, and and, and that's what fans want to see. But like this isn't the correct type of violence, and I, I'm always curious at at what point does this invite like the next wave of violence, and 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 how does the league kind of play their hand in the role in in, in being part of the culture of of entertainment for for fans, but the right type of violence that you want to see. Yeah, so so the two things I'd say, guys, and I got suspended in the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. The year my team went on to go to, and we won the Stanley Cup. Um, listen, we're not boy boy scouts here when you're playing, in, you know, for the for the Stanley Cup. I understand, you know, tempers get up, it gets heated, it gets violent, it gets mean, it gets nasty. Um, but a slash like that has no part; it should have no part in the game of hockey. Um, certainly, the way he did that. That could have broke his thumb. It could have caught him. Here's the thing. I got 20 games, and I was okay with it. After the fact, um, after I thought about it, what would happen if I hit Steve Hines in the eyeball or in the ear and he lost his hearing? I hit him in the cheek. It it actually looks terrible, guys, but I didn't intend to do that. Um, There's an intention to actually cause damage or hurt the leading goal scorer, the guy who's going to knock you out of the playoffs, I mean, in theory, if Edmonton goes further, um, Drysdale is going to be a part of that. Um, this was intent to injure, no doubt about it. Maybe a dumb play. He definitely deserves a couple games. The NHL has always done a good job. They, they never came back to that high water mark that came with my suspension, or not, not so much. But I think they do a good job. I think the idea of games, but getting suspended for games in the playoffs is, 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 is huge because you've missed that opportunity to play and help your team. Petter Angel is one of the better players on Vegas. It's going to hurt the Vegas Golden Knights if he gets suspended. Um, I think they do a good job. It's just a matter of holding to it. I mean, the standard of what do we want, what don't we want. And if Darnell Nurse gets suspended for what he did, clearly Petter Angel, is, his, his act was worse. No question about it. Obviously, players are competitive and, and, and want to play, and you know Petrangelo is going to go through this hearing, and he's, and he's going to make his case and try to limit the damage as much as he can. I'm curious, you were in, in that setting too. Like, what did you say in that hearing? Well, so forgive me, I got I got two of them, right? But, but I didn't really get to say much on the slashing. I understood what what I did. I slashed the player in the face. I didn't mean to, but I know that I did it. I I said to Colin Campbell at the time. I should get suspended for a couple more games because I went into the Columbus Blue Jackets locker room. I went right into their medical room checking on Steve, Steve Hines because I was like befuddled that I actually even did what I did. Um, I was okay. I basically said to them, listen, you guys, I, did, I could have hit him in the eyeball. I, if, if, I, if I took his eye out, I mean, it's not five games, ten games. This, this, is, this is somebody's life that I could have taken away from them. So um, I was okay with you know, whatever the NHL did, I did think it was a little excessive. In the playoffs, listen, I, 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 I punched a guy, Kim Johnson with the Minnesota Wild, after his teammate started a fight in game four in Minnesota. 
I just I, I, I fought a player that maybe wasn't expecting the fight, but he skated 150 feet down the ice to get involved in an altercation that his teammate started. That's not my problem. Um, and, and I hit him and I hurt him, unfortunately, for him. Um, I broke my own hand, had to play the rest of the playoffs with a broken hand. But talking to the player safety in that, I didn't have a hearing. But um, it was a phone call. And um, bottom line was, you got to take your medicine. The NHL said, listen, we don't want this guy in the series, the rest of the series, three games to go against the Minnesota Wild. They had Derek Bugard and, and a few other guys that were robust players, big, tough guys. They didn't want this thing to become a powder keg. So they gave me a three-game suspension, and I ended up missing the first two games. Last game in that series and the first two games against the Vancouver Canucks in round two. And you know what? I deserved it. Um, that's what the NHL – I'm okay with what the NHL levies out, but they got to be consistent. And, and they don't want slashing to begin with. They don't want guys reaching in and touching the player's hands, let alone the best player in the NHL at this point. This guy came above the top of his head and tried to break his wrist. Now, maybe he didn't try to break his wrist. Maybe he said that he was just trying to hit a stick. Um, regardless, if the intent was there to injure, I have to imagine. Well, and, you know, you use the word powder keg talking about one of your suspensions, right? That's what the NHL is trying to avoid. And that seems to me to be the best argument for suspending Petrangelo at least three games. Because if he's back on the ice against the Oilers in this series, it's going to raise the temperature and, you know, risk turning that uh, game into as a, a powder keg, as you said. Powder keg. And the other thing, I, I, I don't understand. I, I actually have to go back and watch, guys. Um, but the I, I saw the whole thing, but... I don't understand why Darnell Nurse got suspended. Now, if the reason that he got suspended is they don't want to have a powder keg because they don't want this to escalate and boil over, then I'm okay with that. It kind of, you know, pot takes the air out of the balloon. If that's what they're looking for to actually keep as a status quo, if that's the case, then Peter Angelo has to be out for the whole series, I would imagine. I mean, I, I, when I saw it, I was like, wow, that's crazy. I mean, that, there, was, there was no intent to even shield or hide what your intent was. Yeah, it almost seems... It ca- empty- yeah, sorry, Brett, but it almost seems counterproductive to suspend Darnell Nurse, too, because it, like if they're both only suspended one game, then the Oilers are still going to be furious, right? Because it basically evens out. I, that's, if, if, if your logic and my logic makes, makes sense, which, by the way, you never know if it does, <laughs> um, right? Um, but there's no question what, what Peter Angelo did. It's a hell of a lot worse than what Darnell Nurse does. That comes in and, and, you know, irate standing up for a teammate late in a game that you're winning on an empty net, you know, goalie pulled, and, and, and you're trying to slash the leading goal scorer in the playoffs? I don't know. That, it, should, it could have been a bench clear. In, in, back in our day, it probably should have been. I'll, I'll pitch this to you because we've gotten this question a lot uh, from, from listeners right now and, and texting in. And it's one thing for us to say, hey, this is the difference between this play and this play. You're, you've been one of the combatants on the ice. You're, you're one of the players in, in NHL history that have gone through all these things. We're getting texts like, how is Petrangelo being cross, cross-checked headfirst in the boards any different? Kane cross-checking Petrangelo in the face to what this is. So, so you're the one that's on the ice. How do you differentiate that type of violence? Because you, you welcome the violence because you know that's part of the sport. How do you differentiate those types of plays versus what we saw uh, with with the slash, it's it's you know what now we're gonna be parsing thing and whatever I say clearly there's gonna be an opposition to what what I say either way. Um, some are hockey plays, aggressive hockey plays between the whistle, and yes, sometimes players go overboard. 
there is a there is a thing that people don't like Evander Kane and whatever he's going to do, people are not going to be happy with. He's a, he's that type of player. Um, there's no doubt. I don't want guys being cross-checked in the face. But if that's the truth, then how how is Sam Bennett able to cross-check Mitch Marner in, in front and John Tavares in front of the net? In, right, cross-checking Radko Gudis with the Florida Panthers, working over players in front of the net. The, my answer to that is they're between the whistles. It's in the field of play, and we all sign up for this, especially when we're battling to try to win the Stanley Cup. This, this slash at the end of the game when the game's out of reach at 4-1, I believe it was 4-1 at the time, and, and the goalie's pulled, Drysaddle maybe score an empty net goal, and the stick comes over above his head and comes straight down like you're chopping a, a, you know, a big thing of wood. Um, I, I think they're two completely different scenarios, but I understand that the outcome or what people may be looking at, maybe they don't seem to be different, but um, that wasn't hockey. That wasn't fighting for a play or a puck or even a battle with a, with a, you know, opposing player. This was either a brain cramp, something dumb that, that, that Alex Petrangelo had, has done last night, or it was an intentful play that he was trying to hurt Drysaddle, and if he actually breaks Drysaddle's wrist, Vegas has got a better chance of winning that series. It, does it come down to like a, a fundamental part of this of like a lack of respect in that moment? Because you're, you're mentioning all those other plays and you're battling for space, and yeah, you, you you've got to respect your other opponent to fight for those opportunities. Whereas this is, hey, I, like I, I don't respect your body for this one moment. I'm just going to try to hurt you. Well, I. I Again, I don't. I can't get in the head of Petrangelo, uh, yeah. and I certainly don't want to say that he intended to break his wrist because maybe that's not the case, right? Maybe it was just a dumb play and, and a brain cramp. Um, what I what I would say is, I I love these guys playing for keeps. I want players to play for keeps, but that's where the NHL and their and, the, and, and their discipline um, department um, comes into it. Listen. We all can speed in our car, right? We, we're not allowed to. It's against the law, but there are, there are points when you get in your car and it actually makes sense that you have to go above the speed limit. If you get caught, there's going to be consequences. Sometimes people are speeding completely egregiously, which is so offside, which I would say that this is, if you can compare the two. And you know what? The, the penalty or the, or the discipline that's going to be affected, um, I think, you know, should meet you know, the, the, the moment, the temperature of the moment. Um, the NHL has done a good job with that for the most part. I, I trust that they're going to make the right call in this one. And um, either team, whether you're Vegas or you're Edmonton, you're going to have to accept whatever the punishment is. You don't have time to, to you know, go back and forth. Both teams are going to be hurt. Darnell Nurse is out of the lineup. He's a robust, big, tough, steady defender, makes $9 million bucks. He's a big part of their blue line. That hurts the Oilers. Pedrangelo, in a, in very much the same boat, maybe not as physical. Um, it hurts the Vegas Golden Knights if he's out. But he, I would think that he deserves more games than, than Darnell Nurse does. Talking to Brad May, former Canuck, longtime NHL player here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Uh, looking at some of the other series uh, happening right now in the second round, the Leafs avoid getting swept last night, but they're still down in a big hole 3-1 
against the Panthers. You know, you've been part of teams that have been in that same hole, 3-1. I'm thinking specifically of uh, with the Canucks against the St. Louis Blues and have come back to win the series. What's the mentality, what's the conversation like in the locker room when you're facing that hole in a playoff series? Well, it's, it's, it's obviously desperation. It's in the moment. And you have to get everybody just focused one shift at a time, um, one play at a time, right? Most important shift is the first one. Then again, the next one's going to be the most important. You've got to just stay um, in, in the moment. I don't know the difference because, I, yes, I've been down 3-1 to one and I've been up 3-1. to one. As a matter of fact, I've won being down 3-1 to one and I lost the series being up 3-1, to one, both with Vancouver. And um, in saying that, that's not four games in a row, though, right? History tells us that only four teams have ever done this, have come back from 3-0. Um, three three zero, and the only thing I would say is I think the game is different today. And when we look back at the history of you know 100 years or whatever it is in the NHL, um, two three goal leads evaporate quickly in today's National Hockey League, and not so much back in the I say 50s, 60s, 80s. Um, I'm not so sure if we can rely on that data. You know, it is a it is a point where we can you know um, look to, but. I think some of these some of these data points are, are, are changing rapidly because of the new rules and everything else because the power play is so effective now. Any any time that you, you you get yourself behind, make a mistake, um, the power play can hurt you. Um, this now this now right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs have a team that can win three more games, but I don't I just don't see it myself. I think Florida's going to win this series. They may not even win tomorrow, but or, or is it today? I think it's tomorrow. They, they, they're not going to win. But I do believe that um, um, Toronto, I think they win one more game. But then Florida, when they go back, um, I think Florida's got too deep of a team. They, they've got a mission. And um, their top players are the grittiest players on their team which I think makes a difference at this time of the year. Brad, you and I have talked about that Minnesota series before. And, you know, the sentiment you kind of shared was, yeah, like we did kind of lighten up. And uh, watching Paul Maurice last night in the post-game press conference, you know, he was kind of still in a jovial mood. And, again, you're right. It's four games different from three games. It's a, it's a longer road to come back from. But it, it did feel like a guy who was still kind of relaxed. And that's, you know, like everyone's going to be looking to the, to the coach to set the tone. Is that the first steps of, of maybe of, of how teams kind of push through the crack of building these comebacks? It's, it's interesting. I don't, for myself, I don't think it's the coach at all, although he sets the narrative. And, of course, that's what we get as, as consumers of the game, um, sound bites and, and certainly clips from the coach. It's about the character in the locker room and, and how they're going to, you know, muster up the energy that it's going to take to actually win one game at a time or, or for Florida to actually close out a series. Um, I think I, I like the, the top players in Florida. They're gritty. These guys, uh, they're on a mission. Kachuk is, you know, a hundred point player, Brandon Montour. He's up in the play, excitable guy. They have to somehow, you know, right now, this is, this is basically, they have a blank sheet trying to tell the world who they are and they have an opportunity, but I would say, if I looked at it this way, hockey players for the most part, and again, I'm sure I've got opposition on this, we're pretty respectful people. Um, we're not cocky. There's a real respect and, and where we dress the same, we go to the rink, we do all the same um, 
things prior to a game. We have the same cliches. We don't want to upstage people on the other team. All of those great things that really I love about being a hockey player. When you look at the Florida Panthers and they're up three games to nothing, they got there because they didn't care what anybody else thought. They got there because they're cocky and they're trying to roll over a team. And you take that breath, this, you know, and, and you give the other team a little bit of life and you just never know where that's going to go, um, certainly for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So when Paul Maurice is, is doing that with a smile on his face, I don't believe it for a second. Um, although he wants to appear that he's a respectful, you know, competitor and he, and he, and he loves the competition, he's pissed. And, and he's, going, he's in his locker room and he's telling his players, listen, we don't have a chance. We don't want to look to think that we have three chances to win this. We need to win this tomorrow. And if we don't, we're going to be in trouble. And um, you got to get back to that cocky swagger. And I think that's why it's very difficult for teams that win the Stanley Cup to actually go back and repeat because you don't want to be a cocky person. You want to be confident but not cocky. But you know what? The only reason why you won the Stanley Cup is because you didn't give a shit and you, and you were cocky at that time. And sorry for swearing. I got animated there. I apologize. It's all right, Brad. We'll, we'll, we'll edit that out. Don't worry. Brad, we got to suspend you from the show for uh, a couple of weeks here. <laughs> well, we'll have a hearing. We'll have a hearing first. But <laughs> Hey, I, I'm so sorry. I actually just I, – I got – I got into my thought there. Sorry. We're all good. We're all good. Don't, no, worry, don't worry about it. Brad, appreciate the time. <laughs> uh, we were going to let you go anyways. We're not doing it just because of uh, of the language, but we appreciate it. Especially great insight on the Petrangelo stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. I can't wait. I can't wait. See ya. That is Brad May, former Canuck, former NHL player, uh, Stanley Cup champion as well, as he said, getting a little animated towards the end there, but... Because, uh, you know, you ha- we had people texting in earlier, like, oh, what are you guys talking about? It's just, I've seen way worse. That's not a suspendable play. Like, if Brad May is saying you should be suspended literally, for the rest of the series, that's a serious play. That's literally could not have had play. a better person no, to, no. To, to talk about it. Yeah. Because of the Steve Hines thing. Yeah. He's been suspended in the yeah. playoffs. He's just been suspended for slashing. He knows what this is all about. And he looked at that and said, oh, yeah, no, he's he's got to be out of here for the rest of the series. So it's a pretty good litmus test uh, if, Brad, if Brad May is saying that you need to be suspended for, uh, and, uh, for multiple games. You know, we were talking in the commercial break, like the other incident that kind of popped in my mind, and it wasn't as premeditated as the Petrangelo play, but Scott Niedermeyer and Peter Worrell. Mm. Now, that was a scuffle along the boards, but like Niedermeyer swings his stick yep. over top of his head to hit Peter Worrell. Scott Niedermeyer got 10 games. Yeah. Regular season, but 10 games. Well, that's the thing. And even hear, hearing Brad May say he got suspended for 20 games, like when's the last time we saw a long suspension in the NHL? Now, you could say there are fewer incidents that warrant it. But sure. I think sometimes there's this narrative of, oh, things were so lawless back in the day. And obviously there's an element of truth to that. But, like, the NHL also brought the hammer down sometimes when things really mm-hmm. – when thing, when it needed to be done. They would go long – like, 10 games for Scott Niedermeyer? Yeah. That's a massive suspension for yeah. a star player. We'd ne- I, it feels like we would never see anything like that. Like, something so egregious and over the top would have to happen. And as you heard from Brad May, he was like, yeah, I understood it. I got it. It was an accident, but I'm responsible for my actions. That's a pretty important message here. You Sometimes you make mistakes in a tough, violent game, and yes, it was a mistake, but you still have to be held accountable for your actions. And It, it does feel like the NHL has lost sight of that sometimes. I, I, I wait with bated breath what this uh, suspension will be. Yeah, I did see there was a, uh, a fake NHL player safety account going around saying that he's been fined, fined $5,000. Do you think them announcing these separately means Petrangelo will get a lot more than we think. Because, like, based on NHL logic, 
I think the people that are saying two games, three games, I, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I do. I want to see significantly more, but I, I'm just curious, like, why not announce them at the same time? I don't know. But, like, why Why does that mean it's, it's going to be longer? Like, what do they gain by that? If anything, now you're just creating the situation where people are – Maybe you're lowering expectations, and then you'll you'll charge past them, and people will be <laughs> pleasantly yeah. surprised. I don't know, but I think if they only do a game, if it's a game each, that's embarrassing. That's really really bad. We'll see. We'll hopefully it comes in the next half hour here, and we can uh, talk about it on and, the air. By the way, for the people saying it's like it's literally in the rules, right? But they've rescinded it in the past. There you go. That's the thing. It, yes, we understand, but and also like, was that an instigator penalty? Really? That's not what we think of when we think of people are saying, like, well, hey, if you get an instigator, you have to be suspended. But the question is, the NHL has the ability to go back and look yes. and say, should that actually have been an instigator? That's also and in the rules. Pretty yeah. much, for me, it's just not. Yeah. It's not the classic instigator penalty. Dom, once again, raising his hand. You have permission to speak, Dom. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it is Canucks talk. We have Canucks news. Uh, the it, Vancouver Canucks training just announcing camp? that their 2023 training camp will be we, held uh, in Victoria hey, Dom, we, we from Thursday, September Dom, we have already mentioned Monday, this on September the air. 25th at the Savon Moods Dom, Memorial Dom. Center. Dom's not wearing his headset, so Dom, he doesn't know that we... We had already mentioned that on the air. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> doing like three things back here. Yeah, why don't you let us do the three things, too? Right, we're on top of it. Don't worry about it. But thank I'm you. a producer. I'm just trying to get all the info out. Yeah, and then not wearing your headphones so you couldn't hear me trying to interrupt you as you were as you were going through it. Listen. That was a tour de force performance. Hey, Dom, is okay. Brad made ready? We'll producer the Tom right there. Can we get Pete Blackburn on, Dom? <laughs> all right. There you go. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll do some more actual Canucks talk coming up. Uh, on the other side, it is Sportsnet 650. Hey, Jamie, throw a break. Welcome back to Canucks Talk, final segment of the show. Jamie Dodd, Bick Nazar here live from the Kintech studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Another special mashup edition, uh, the people show in the Canucks Talk here. Uh, we're going to be at the Nat tomorrow doing the people Let's show. Let's go. Which is great because I'll let you do all the like a chair stuff because it's your show, sure. And you can tell me what to talk about, and that's great. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm just, I'm basically taking the day off tomorrow. Is what I'm telling you. I'm, like I'll I'm be parachuting there. onto this show yeah, for the last and two I'm days. Going and you're to parachuting yeah. to your show tomorrow. So t- the last two days has been uh, the the Canucks people's mashup. Yeah, I like tomorrow's is the people's, people's talk. talk. Somebody said, yeah, maybe yeah. it can be people's talk. Have you guys mentioned that we're at the Nat tomorrow? I literally <laughs> just said that. Okay, I see you. You got me. I was going to say, hey, in case everyone hasn't heard, the Canucks are holding training camp in Victoria in September. For so. four days. There you go. Um, yeah, and uh, courtesy of our own Randy Janda, who texted me that it's going to be a little longer because Rogers Arena is going to be hosting uh, the Labor Cup for tennis during uh, that time. 22 so. to 24. Yeah, so they're spending a little extra time in Victoria. And if you want to do like the uh, the tour around the province in September following the Canucks, 15th to the 18th, the Young Stars in Penticton, and then 21st to the 25th, you can hit up uh, Victoria. So chance to get out and see the province and uh, watch some Canucks 
action as well. Uh, 650, 650, <laughs> Rager texts in, hey, Dom, can you announce the Horvat trade to the Islanders? <laughs> I sure can. Now make sure we got make sure we know the exact return, okay? Before you get, give us the details. All right? Atu, get, Atu. get this get this right, okay? Bolivier. Yeah. Bovillier. That's what I said. You said Bolivier. Like Bolivia. What is happening right now? Big Friday show vibes. <laughs> yeah, well, that's tomorrow. By the way. We got some fun stuff planned for tomorrow. This is why I call Rager the McDavid of the Texan box. That's a that's an elite, it's a good, elite it's a good text. text. It's a good text. That's strong. Um, all right. So enough of that. Uh, you can keep texting again, though. 650, 650. So yesterday on the show, we're talking about the Canucks salary cap situation. What else? I mean, hey, they're not playing right now. They might be practicing, but they're not playing right now. We're talking about the Canucks salary cap situation and, you know, just the bind they're in, how difficult it's going to be. The report from Frank Zaravalli about, you know, hey, they're talking to teams about trying to move Connor Garland, but prices are going to be very high, probably a high pick. Yeah, the Canucks have pick 11, but they don't have a second round this year, but don't have a second round next year. So what are they going to do here? And you made the point, you know, we, we did a good job of running down mm-hmm. the bind that the Canucks are in, but it's also good to balance it out sometimes with, okay, well, they're in this bind. How can they get out of this bind? Now, you know my solution, as I detailed yesterday. It's to do nothing. Yeah. To procrastinate, let the problem solve itself at some point in the future, which it will. And I'm, I'm still a big fan of that. What's Rance's uh, phrase? Stop uh, digging. Stop digging. Yeah. yeah. Just sometimes the best thing to do is just do nothing at all. Yeah. Just relax. It's like you're, 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 if you're stuck in quicksand, right? Don't struggle. Wait for the solution to present itself. Exactly. Is essentially the underlying principle. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. Yeah. Unless there's certain things that you can talk about and assets that you want to talk about. We discussed only high picks yesterday. High picks. 11th overall, I'm not touching. Probably not even using third rounders. You probably can't even use third well, rounders. Well, yeah, relative, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, r- relative to how much money you're trying to move, third r- rounders aren't only really germane to the conversation. I could see like if, you, but again, then you get the problem is you start trying to build these packages out, and they get so complicated. You know, like okay, well, if you trade Garland and a third, and then you're taking back some other bad money, but maybe the other team throws in something too. It's like ah, man, it, not that it couldn't happen. It's just it's so fanciful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ooh, there word of the day calendar today. <laughs> I've been thinking about starting a word of the day segment on Canucks talk, actually, though, because, uh, you know, we you would start that one. Well, no, no, you no. And Drance. Yes. well, that's what yeah. I mean. No, but I like Drance gets a lot of the flack for it, but I'll, I'll break out a, a three dollar word every every now and then. So, you know. All right. Just saying. Word of the day. Kind of like uh, does like the furniture start. Yelling? I, dro- I dropped the word uh, hagiography the other day, a couple weeks Sorry, ago. What? And my mom. Text- what is this show? My mom texted me and was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> What does that even mean? It's like, I don't want to go into it. But anyways. <laughs> Isn't this the segment? Yeah. You have to it, I think it. it's exact. The actual definition would be it's like a biography, but it's about a saint. So you're like de- oh, yeah, you're right. detailing all the ways someone is a saint. And I was saying, like, if Connor McDavid wins the Stanley Cup, the hagiography of him is going to be out of control. Oh, like, goodness. people are going to go over the top praising him for all his good deeds. Do so you feel good context. when you use words like that? I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very uh, appropriate. Now everyone learned a new word. It's great. Oh, Listen, so it's for our benefit. Listening to Sorry, Sports Talk yes. Radio and learning vocabulary? What could be better than that? Edutainment. Edutainment. <laughs> That's right. That's what Sports Talk Radio is all about. Infotainment. Uh, anyways. All right. So let's get back on the rails here. Pick 11. I think 
almost everyone agrees. You're not doing that straight up to get out of any of the bad deals they have, right? There's just the value doesn't line up. Mm -hmm. It's either insufficient in the case of OEL or it's too much in the case of everyone else, given their contracts. What are the other chips they have to play if they were if they decided, you know what, we're not content to sit tight, we're not content to run it back next year. We need to go out and make additions to our team before we can do that. We have to clear cap space, so we're going to pay to do it. What are the other pieces? What are the other chips they have, the levers they can pull to make that happen? Yeah, there's not a lot. But like this is why depth chart organizational rankings are important to see, hey, who's leap two and, and where are you uh, as far as you know, guys competing for roster spots internally and who gets pushed down to say maybe your stock isn't as high as for us where it was a year ago. Because emergence of certain players. And so I'll, I'll bring up a name here. Like Nils Hoaglander is... I mean, that's the obvious one. Yeah. And, and so if you're, if you're looking to find ways to move money off, rather than using picks as assets, do you look at other assets that you have and, and say, hey, we need to match the liabilities and say, does someone want to take a Nils Hoaglander to get off of a Connor Garland? Or the, Tyler Myers, or whatever. Yeah. And honestly, like when you go down that road, like we can talk should they do it, but these are the type of assets I think if you're the Canucks, you probably just wait, say, hey, where are we in five weeks rather than today? Because now the demand would be, yeah, we want picks. Picks is the greatest currency right now. Mm -hmm. But prior to July 1st, does that change a little bit? I think Hoaglander, well, there's two. There's two that come to mind that would have value you know at least as of a, of a second round pick, I, right? I have a sneaky third name but i'll wait to, right. to, to, to and share it's, it for it's hoaglander and pod colton right mm -hmm. those are the two and i don't i don't like the idea of doing either of them i'm definitely right? not doing the put colton one yeah okay pod, pod colton you're selling low right I'm, I'm, so right there and you could even make the argument you're selling low of hoaglander on, on for both of them you know what i mean I think Hoaglander still has value, but Pod Colson, you're selling really low. Yeah. Really low right now. And I, I just think there's a better player there. My problem with the Hoaglander one is, one, I think Rick Tockett's going to love him. Like, I think Rick Tockett's going to be really impressed, and you've already heard him talk about it. Like, I want I want Niels Hoaglander to be in front of Rick Tockett for training camp in Victoria, which, by the way, is going to be in Victoria uh, for five days in Dom, September. Dom, can we get that confirmed? Guys, training camp for the Canucks in Victoria in awesome. September. But like, awesome. I want him to have that shot. And the other thing is, you know, we're specifically talking about, well, the Canucks need to move wingers. And you would love to move Connor Garland and then have a cheaper in-house option to fill his spot. It's like, that's Niels Hoaglander. So if you're attaching Niels Hoaglander to get off Connor Garland, like, yeah, we talk so much about this abundance of wings they have, but like... You start chipping away at that depth, and all of a sudden, you know, the guy who would be the ideal replacement is not going to be there for you. I, I, it's just – Okay, what if it's a Tyler Myers? No, I still don't do that because Tyler Myers, again, is, like, the, the easiest one to solve after this yes. summer. Yeah, yeah, Right? So I don't – like, that. you're giving up a ton of potential future value there to – for a momentary gain. Call me crazy. What about Atu Ratu? I mean, you're not crazy. I actually, they, I actually don't hate that. Look, they they acquired a first round pick. They were willing to flip it right away. Yeah. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities. The thing is, the winger depth versus the center depth well, yeah. are totally different worlds. Completely different. So are they? You know, he's he is the center prospect they have in the system. Realistically, I don't know if they would be willing to do that. But 
that would almost be more palatable to me than Hoaglander or Pod Colson. Like, at least Hoaglander or Pod Colson, we've seen them both have really effective stretches in the NHL. The consistency hasn't been there. There's other things that they need to work out, but it's pretty easy to imagine how they fit into an NHL lineup. I'm not saying Ratu can't get there, but it's more of a question mark about what he's actually going to do in the NHL still. So, yeah, I can see. Uh, again, I'm not advocating this. My, my it's, first it's, choice it's would still one... be don't do this, but I would... Of Pod Coles and Hoaglander or Ratu, I'd be most comfortable with Ratu. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I'd probably put Hoaglander. I, I, I know I'm lower on consensus. I just think, like, you need you need to find, and I understand he's a winger and he maybe he's a little undersized and all that, but Hoaglander, you still have a chance to, at some point, sign him to a really team-friendly deal. Right. Like that's still in the cards and you got to do that. You have to find those guys somewhere where it's not just a fair deal. Like when Connor Garland was signed, we all looked at, hey, that's a fair deal. At the time, it was a fair deal. Now it's become a big difficulty for them. Right. Like you need to win. Wait, on four point nine. What? Like at some point you think Hoaglander's going to get a four point nine million dollar deal? No, no, no. I'm saying they have a chance to get him way below that. Like, OK, they have. That's what I mean. I, they I have a chance to okay. win on yeah. a contract with Sorry. him. You know what I mean? Like if you can. He's the type of player where if you at some point, it's probably not going to be this one. Like a four year, three million. Yeah, exactly. Actually, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have that opportunity with him. And there's only Pod Colson's another one that you might have that chance with, mm-hmm. which is why I'm pretty wary of trading either of them. But like you got to find those solutions at some point when you're in this type of uh, this type of cap situation. Um, yeah. Now, the thing is, is they've shown a good ability to find cheap players so far. Yeah, cheap bottom six players. And I don't say that right. to, like, take a dig at their ability, because that's, that's typically the role, the holes you're going to be filling when you're, yeah. when you're bargain hunting. You know what I mean? But, but then this is the thing that we're talking about, though, is, like, for you, like, what is Hoaglander's upside? Oh, I think he has the upside of a top six. Like, complimentary top six winger, for sure. So how many seasons do you think he's going to have better than someone like Anthony Beauvillier has had already in his career? I think he has the potential to have better seasons than that. Right, but we're, we're, we're talking like how, what percentage would you give? But like, would I rather have Anthony Beauvillier on whatever his next contract is or like the next four years of Niels Hoaglander? Uh, no, no, That's I, an easy I, choice. I'm just, I'm just, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying... Like Beauvillier's four point one million dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like so far in Anthony Beauvillier's career, his best season. Uh, I'm not going to include his Vancouver time because it's, yeah. it's such a small sample size, right? His best season has been 0.6 points per game, mm-hmm. uh, and actually that was the the, the compartmentalized uh, division year. His age 22 season, he had 0.57 points per game. How many seasons do you think Hoaglander has better than that? I mean, I could see him easily settling in at like that being his his norm because that's forty six years. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's unattainable for Niels Hoaglander. He had twenty seven and fifty six in his rookie year. I don't again, think he can never get back there. And and then again, twenty seven is different in a North Division year. Sure, but he had eighteen and sixty the following year. Yeah, no, and then it's now been he's, inconsistent. he's struggling to get in the lap. And so that's what I'm wondering here. We're like we're, we're at age twenty three now for Niels Hoaglander. How many times is he going to crest forty six points? But like, why is that the standard? Why is Anthony Bovillier the standard? Is it, I, I, is I'm it... just I'm just choosing a, a guy that that they were able to acquire, because Bovillier to me is just like a, a decent NHLer. Okay, how difficult is it to find these types of guys? And is Nils Hoglander like, hey, we can sacrifice this to move off somebody now to open up the opportunity to find 
players that fit our roster and what we're trying to find down the road. If the upside of Nils Hoaglander is three seasons at 52 points. I just think you have a better chance of not just getting that production with Nils Hoaglander, but again, having it be like efficient on your books, which they need to do, than you do with whatever UFA you're signing with the money you free up with him. You know what I mean? Because that's what we're talking about. We're like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to free up the money so we can go spend it right now. It's really hard to get really team-friendly contracts and unrestricted free agency. Yeah. And I think you have a better chance of doing that with Niels Hoaglander. I think he's got a chance to fit really well with Rick Tockett and the way he wants to play the game. So I, I'm not saying he's going to be an 80-point player or anything. No, I, but I, I don't think so. I, I think he can have a peak like for his age, like you know, 23, which is going to be next year through 27 seasons, where he's a consistent 50-point guy, 45-plus-point guy. Yeah, absolutely. And starting next season, you think there's a chance he's a 50, 45? Depend, depending on the, the role he's in. Again, right, but, he's, but, but that's what we're talking about. It's like he's got to earn the role. And, he's, and he's, I think he has a chance to do that. He's nowhere close to earning this role. Well, but but hold on. But they're trying to get rid of every winger on the depth chart in front of him, practically. But if they don't do it without the assets, where's this role going to materialize? But what I'm saying is I think he has that ability. Right. But he has to earn the role. Yeah. And I think he has the ability to do it. He's going to knock off Brock Besser and Connor Garland clean? They don't like either of those players. They've been desperately trying to move him. He can't get in the lineup right now. They set him down because they were worried about Bruce Boudreaux ruining him. And they wanted him to play at the AHL. Wait, I thought they were trying to win at all costs. <laughs> they were doing that too. But they were also Whoa, worried about they, Bruce they Boudreaux. They sent him down because they didn't want to ruin him, but they couldn't win at all costs? They were worried about Bruce Boudreaux. You know that. Then why didn't he come back the rest of the way? Because two they, games? They wanted him to develop at oh, the okay. AHL. Also that. But again, it's like he's. He's been okay. And and you're right. It's like, yeah, they can win on a bet. Yeah. But is it they gotta do that at some point. At some point they gotta do that. But is is he the guy? And look, I'm not necessarily advocating for this, but it it's it's the one that makes the most sense if if you wanted to make some to, to move some money off. I just look at it and say if if there's a thirty-five to forty-five point player there, a regular thirty-five point mm-hmm. player, which which value. It's a necessary component to your roster. I don't think that's so valuable that you can't cave on that. And, but my and question to me is, is then what are you re- like? What are you using that money on? That's my big question, right? Because if it's like, if you're going center. and spending, but okay, so you're going to sign a thirty-year-old third-line center, and that's going to give you more value. Old. I didn't say thirty-year-old. Well, if you're shopping in UFA, if, right? But if we're if we're moving two guys, no, I, I didn't say UFA. I just said like if we're moving two guys, a Connor Garland and Nils Holman, mm-hmm. to make a hockey trade. Could you find a third-line center that fits a profile? Or even, hey, another depth defenseman to fit the profile of where you're at. And is that a better use of everything? I'm not just talking about getting rid of Conor Garland and Nils Holgrenner for nothing. I'm, I'm talking okay, about making so a hockey ta- trade. Okay, well, that's different then. If you're bringing back – like, I thought you were saying well, attaching as a sweetener. No, well, yeah, but to, like, go, to-, to go make a hockey trade. Like, they clearly don't want to move Conor Garland for, with a pick for, for nothing. Okay, but isn't that what like Frank Zarvelli was talking about, right? Like the price to move Connor Garland is going to be right, a really good that. asset. We're talking about like using the next asset to go make a hockey trade. Okay, I thought we were talking about attaching it no. just to get off as sweetener. I'm, I'm developing the conversation here. You jumped down that uh, Hoagland was going to be a regular 50-point guy at age 23, <laughs> despite the role not being there. But I'm saying he can earn the role. Yeah, and again, to you, like... That's what I say. Like, what percentage do you believe that he's going to earn that role? Is it like a seventy-five percent chance? Yeah, but like again, no, no. I, I'm just saying, like, l- like let let's imagine that Nils Hoaglander 
is but you can't you he's, can't he's a toxic no, you I'm, can't I'm say saying, like we're not we're not going to play this guy even though he's good and therefore that's the justification for trading him no, I'm, you know I'm what saying, i mean like it's like well that's a mistake don't make that mistake let me paint a picture right now like okay. next season nils hoaglander's playing top six minutes yeah and by the way like this is also contingent that this team is winning do you believe that nils hoaglander like how many points do you believe nils hoaglander would get on a team that's winning if he's playing top six minutes next year. If he's playing consistent top six minutes and like PP2? Well, it's, it's part of the conversation that he might not be consistent. Right. But, but like, I'm just saying like yeah, he starts yeah. a season on JT Miller's line. Okay. How many points do you think? I think 40 points is totally a reasonable okay. expectation. Like totally. With top six minutes? With a, with a playmaker like JT Miller? 100%. Now how many opportunities is he going to get to do that consistently over the next, let's say, four or five years? And, and what percentage do you believe that he's going to consistently do that? Is it like, like 65, uh, 75% chance? Sure, something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably closer to like 30% chance. And so that's where I look at it and say, like, this would be a guy that, to what point are you willing to to shed a guy to, look, to I mean, open up opportunities? Obviously, like, there's always a trade that makes sense. Like, mm. it, like a theoretical trade that makes sense. My thing is what I was saying is you, you can't attach him just as a sweetener. I don't think you can attach him as a sweetener to go out and spend in UFA. Right, like if you're getting if you but and, and then to your point about well maybe you're finding somebody a little younger in a hockey trade, I don't think that Connor Garland plus Niels Hoaglander is value enough to bring to to do that. Like I, I think you're attaching Niels Hoaglander to wipe out the negative value of Connor Garland's contract, right? But you're not getting a return. You're not getting a, an attractive return on top of that if it's Connor Garland plus Niels Hoaglander. Like I don't think that gets you a, a particularly interesting player. I think what it gets you is the cap space. And then you have to go out and spend it on unrestricted free agency. I, I think it could get you a decent player. Like what? Like a like a twenty five year old I mean, long term third line center. We're, we're talking about a a player that yesterday we're like Connor Garland's not chopped liver. He can score fifty points. I know, but and then putting a guy that. But we also know that teams want a high pick to take just to take on Connor Garland. I mean, I think that's, right, like just to wipe out. That's what teams are saying right now. They come at me in mid June. Sure, I don't know, man. I, I, I think if like if you're pay, it, but we all agree you'd have to at least pay to for another team to take Connor Garland, right? Like yeah. even it might end up being a third round pick or something. Okay, right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, what other assets do they have? It's really only put Colson, Hoaglander, and the third day I'll throw sneakily out there. Like, let's say if they got a, a right shot D in this hypothetical trade, I'm imagining mm-hmm. is Ethan Bear's status here that secure? That if you got another right shot D in a trade, couldn't you cave on that one too? I mean, I yeah, like Ethan Bear shouldn't yeah. be untouchable. And if, I, but if, if right shot like, D have okay, but with, if you're trading power. Garland and Hoaglander, how are you getting a center that has more value than Hoaglander? Like, aren't you just getting a center in a similar or worse position in his organization than Niels Hoaglander? You know what I mean? No one's going to give you like an established NHL center for Niels Hoaglander and Connor Garland because one's a cap liability and the other is you know as you say, like hasn't earned a role at the NHL yet. So you're not going to get a massive talent upgrade on Niels Hoaglander in that. And again, I guess it depends how, like what you feel about Niels Hoaglander. Yeah. I'm lower on him than you. And for you, like, Hey, this is going to be a guy who's a regular 40 point contributor. And for me, it's like, yeah, he could be a 25 to but like 37 point who, contributor. But if you're lower on him, then why do you think teams are going to give you a good center for him? For the same reason I was lower on Horvat, and people were willing to give up a first and a I don't prospect. Know, man. I don't know how much demand there is to trade a third-line center for a wing prospect like Niels Hoaglander. 
I, I don't see it. We'll see. Matt, We're out of time. I'd love to be wrong. We are out of, time. out of time. We can continue this conversation tomorrow. We'll be at the Nat on an hour early uh, at 11 what? for the People's Show. I know. What? I got to wake up earlier? <laughs> and leading into a nooner uh, at the Nat. Uh, you've got it on Sportsnet 650.